It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to the Ask Stephanie Show on the Coffee Clatch Network. I think you're going to find tonight's show especially interesting. I'm talking with Dr. Jay Lombard, a neurologist and co-founder, chief scientific officer and medical director at Genomind, a biotechnology company devoted to the discovery of underlying causes of neuropsychiatric disorders, including Alzheimer's, schizophrenia, autism, and mood disorders. Dr. Lombard is here to discuss how GenoMind's testing helps clinicians find appropriate and effective treatment more quickly and efficiently. So welcome to the show, Dr. Lombard. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm so glad that you're with us today. I have had the pleasure of meeting you in person as well as having lunch and speaking to you, and I think that you're really just a wonderful doctor and just your mind, the way you work is fantastic, and the test is unbelievable and you know that I'm a big fan so right after I met you I said I have to have you on the show because I just I want more people to know about this kind of test I I have been asking in in socially um, and in both my social world and in my professional world and there's just not enough people who really know that personalized medicine really exists today so you're here today to really inspire people to get to know more about this that's great. So, psychiatrists prescribe medicine on a trial and error basis. Neurologists, the same thing. Like sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, and, and it can often be a long and very frustrating road for parents, for patients, for doctors who are trying to figure out the best medication for their, their patients. So this kind of test, explain to us just what it's all about and, and then maybe just how it works. Sure. So... Um, in general, there, there are two aspects uh, about how we think about going about uh, choosing medications or, or non-medications for that matter because part of the important thing to make people aware about, uh, which we can discuss as well, is, is what are the non-drug options that are available for people with various mental health disorders, and there's lots of them. So I think that's an important part of our discussion. But mm-hmm. there, there are two really broad-based aspects uh, about this test. Uh, the first is how do people react to medication? And we know that many people experience side effects from medication, and a big reason for uh, a vulnerability for side effects is in our genetics, um, how we metabolize uh, different drugs in our bodies. Um, and two people uh, who take the same medication, the same dosage of that medication, may have very different effects uh, because of differences in their genetic makeup and how... Uh, their bodies, particularly the liver, metabolizes the same drug. Uh, the second sort of broad-based area uh, to understand when we use these kind of tools uh, for personalized medicine um, and in mental health is what effect uh, does that medication have on the body directly? 
most of the psychiatric medications that are available um, affect brain chemistry. And people uh, obviously have different brain chemistries, and that also uh, leads to very differences, uh, big differences in responsive medications. So just what part does, like, let's say you're a parent and you're on medication yourself for, uh, let's say, ADHD, and your child is now experiencing symptoms and has been diagnosed, do you think that typically the child would be on the same type of medicine as the parent is? Well, not always. I mean, uh, you know, first of all, because I'm I think a big sometimes believer. that's something that doctors say is that you know, well, you, you know, mm-hmm. if it's working for you, it will probably. I hear parents say that, you know, well, I'm on this, so my doctor is saying, like, let's stick with this because it'll probably work for my daughter. It's certainly a reasonable um, uh, factor to take into account. I mean, there's many factors to take into account when choosing uh, medication for any patient, be it a child or an adult, and you know, one of the clues of, of choosing medication may be, in fact, uh, if other family members uh, with a similar diagnosis, how they responded, or uh, probably more importantly, if people in the family have had a very bad reaction to medication, uh, that may be also an important clue. So, you know, the goal really is to uh, enhance our understanding of all of the variables that a doctor should consider uh, when choosing any type of treatment for a patient with mental health problems and uh, to change sort of the current uh, practice, which, as you mentioned, is exactly right. It is entirely, at this point, trial and error. And uh, if anyone has had the experience of going to a psychiatrist, uh, this is quite frustrating. I mean, um, obviously, if you get the first uh, treatment right, then you're very lucky. But uh, in the case of depression, for instance, almost 40% of people, maybe even higher, uh, do not have an adequate response to the first medication, and that gets just, you know, really problematic for people. And I think that sometimes two things. One, it leads you down a path of trying a lot of different medications and having to take other medicines for symptoms that you oh, experienced from the yeah. first medicine that you tried. And then secondly, I think parents, and I, I meet with parents and consult with them just often just about, I'm, my child my, you know, may need to go on medicine and I'm for it, my husband is in or vice versa, and they're very nervous for, for that kind of reason. And I actually recently have met with two different kind of parents telling them the same thing, that this kind of a test exists, which they didn't know, um, because I think they're just scared of being given the wrong kind the first time and how, like, as you and I both know, it doesn't, it, medicine doesn't work overnight. If your child has an anxiety disorder, it could take weeks for medicine to kick in and t- doctors are titrating that medication. And so it could take a really long time and your child could be in a lot of distress. And then all of a sudden this medicine isn't working and to go back to square one, it's just such a frustrating road, you know, for children and for adults. Um, and, I, so, and I would add, not, not only can the medication not be working, it's not uncommon at all for the medication to actually be making some symptoms worse. And that's something that's also very important for people to understand. Absolutely, because maybe you're being misdiagnosed and it could be anxiety could often look like ADHD because they're so anxious and they can't sit still and then you're being put on the wrong medication and like you just said, it could be just adverse reaction. 
So right. parents, adults, people hear the word test, it freaks them out. I know if I tell somebody that they have to go to their pediatrician, there's a blood test that they're going to require, they freak out, and sometimes we'll say, look, I don't want to get this test. But with your test, which I found so fabulous, there is no blood test. So tell um, everybody how it works. Yep. Uh, this is saliva-based. We're able to analyze uh, a, a specific set of genes um, from saliva so that people who don't want to have to uh, get their DNA analyzed through a blood test are able to get it through the you know, very simple means of, of testing. And um, it's the same as many people say, well, is, is, this, is the same results, the genes, uh, if you take it from blood or saliva? And the answer is absolutely yes. A, a gene is a gene. And also, if you are on treatment or taking medication or any, any kind of treatment for that matter, uh, the results are not affected by what they're doing. The, the, the DNA always is the same. So it's, it's Does a very it matter convenient... if somebody eats something differently in the morning or do they have to fast? Are those important qualities that people need to know about? No, none of those things. I mean, we, we generally advise people to, to not either drink things about 30 minutes before the test, but other okay. than that, there are no really guidelines to how the test is administered or when or before breakfast or after dinner or anything like that at all. So I feel like people are listening right now and they're saying this sounds unbelievable, but why didn't my doctor tell me about this? So, well, it's, <laughs> you know, where, where can they – how many doctor's offices are, are, are prescribing this um, kind of a test? And is it just a neurologist or a psychiatrist that can write a prescription for this test or can you get it from a general practitioner or a pediatrician? Yep. So, well, first of all, you're absolutely right. So it, it is a relatively new technology. Um, and I would say that to date there are um, probably several hundred, maybe uh, even more than a thousand uh, various mental health professionals who are using these tests in their practice. Um, and that includes psychiatrists, um, neurologists, uh, even primary care doctors and nurse practitioners who have an affinity in their practice for seeing these kinds of people that have uh, mental health concerns and they're likely to prescribe medication for them. Uh, but there is sort of an increasing awareness about the availability of these technologies, um, and that will only grow with time when we get better at the value of how these tests are used. So there's a big learning curve uh, that all of us are experiencing, obviously, and, and part of that is just increasing awareness uh, about what the utility is of, of doing DNA testing for people uh, who are about to take medication, as well as the limitations, because it's not, it's not a perfect world. Um, people should not expect that uh, a test like this is going to tell them an answer. Uh, it's not designed to make a diagnosis for people who are not sure what their diagnosis is, uh, nor do tests like this give you a specific recommendation to take a medication versus you know, a, a different medication. Uh, the test is really designed uh, to show probability of risk, mm -hmm. um, risk meaning uh, who's more likely to have uh, an adverse effect or significant side effects, which is a big, you know, important portion of, of medication choices, obviously, especially in children uh, or in the elderly who are particularly vulnerable to experiencing adverse effects. The, the second, you know, sort of benefit of a test like this is to tell people uh, you know, what treatment categories um, as opposed to specific drugs may be most appropriate uh, compared to others. And, and within that categorical recommendation are non-pharmaceuticals, things that are non-drugs. We know that certain people um, have 
problems with their metabolism, particularly in certain vitamin pathways. Uh, and there's some very uh, exciting data that in uh, certain patients with depression, uh, rather than giving a medication, there are certain non, non-pharmaceuticals that have uh, antidepressant effects that are uh, achieved without having to prescribe a drug. And that's part of what our tests can also do. So, okay, so I had recommended, um, I was talking to a psychiatrist recently, and said, he was telling me about a patient of his that they were having a really hard time back and forth with medicine. And I said, what about the genome mind test? And he, he said, I know, I actually had really told him that I thought that that would be a great idea. And he said that his, it was an adult patient, a young adult patient, and he said, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know the percentages. I don't want to know that I'm 50%, that I might be 50% at risk for schizophrenia or 75% because 25% yeah, I'm not. Nobody, so see, that, what do you say the, to those skeptics? Mis- right, so that, that's a very big misconception. Again, genetics in mental health particularly does not identify susceptibility to a specific psychiatric condition. Um, it's not like a person has a genetic test for Huntington's disease that if you have that positive gene, you know, your risk is, you know, 100% that you're going to get the disease ultimately. Uh, diagnoses in psychiatry, uh, genetics uh, points to the fact that these are what are called polygenic conditions. There are many, many different genes uh, that lead to either increased risk or decrease, decreased risk. And our test particularly is not designed in any way, shape, or form to give information about diagnosis or susceptibility to a disease. What our test is designed to do, as I mentioned, is A, point to risk of adverse drug effects, which are very common in psychiatric patients, and B, is to point to what are the underlying biochemical, physiological, uh, or other disturbances in a person's chemistry and their biology that lead to psychiatric symptoms. Again, not diagnosis, but to psychiatric symptoms. Um, and that's a big distinction because we, we tend to think that a psychiatric diagnosis means something other than a label. And that's all really psychiatric disorders are. They're, they're just labels. Um, we're more interested, as you mentioned in the beginning of, of um, the introduction to, to, to the show, with our goal really is to, tr- to use testing, biological testing, and not only genetics, but there's other testing that will become available uh, down the road very shortly, that really sort of elucidate what are, what are the biochemical problems that are associated with things like depression, uh, attention deficit disorder, schizophrenia, or Alzheimer's disease. Because once we understand what the biochemistry of those conditions are, we can develop much more effective strategies to prevent them uh, as opposed to treating them symptomatically like we do right now. And that really is a long-term goal of, of our company. Uh, no, and it's, it makes so much sense. So I'm curious, people get the test and they receive the results. How often do you find that patients were on the wrong class of medicine for their body? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give you some of our early data. We just okay. looked at it. I'm giving a, a presentation at one of the major teaching hospitals later this month, and we have um, a study which we um, are doing. It's what's, what's called an interim analysis of it. And it's over 250 patients. Uh, All of them, the majority of them, actually have had at least one medication failure. uh, But a a significant percentage have had multiple medication failures. And this is the norm, not the exception. Again, if a typical psychiatric patient 
very often has had multiple treatment failures, either because of side effects or because the medication uh, just didn't work. Uh, and we looked at this group of patients, and percent of them uh, have achieved some beneficial effect, either a significant uh, effect from a medication change or a non-pharmaceutical change or removing a medication or adding something different. And another significant percentage of those experience moderately uh, significant benefit. So a great deal of people are achieving uh, much better responses um, because of the uh, clinician's ability to understand that a medication either is producing adverse effects or to understand uh, what may be an appropriate choice that they otherwise would not have considered uh, without understanding the DNA of that patient. That's fantastic. So uh, talking about like a te- like something like an ADHD, it's in the news mm-hmm. recently, it's all over the place, it's on the rise, 11% in kids, that's just what's being reported. It, they, uh, there's a lot of criticism over is it, and I know that it's a label, but this over-diagnosis today, which, I mean, I actually personally, and I've, I've written about it, I actually don't think it's an over-diagnosis. I think people today are just more educated, and I think that because of social media um, and parents just maybe becoming more educated because of what's out there, I think that there's a lot more knowledge to get people help. Um, but do you think that, like, a test like this could help clear up a lot of those misnomers and misdiagnoses, what do you well, think? a couple of points. First of all, I, w- I, would, I would agree with you that it, it's not overdiagnosed, but I certainly think it's overtreated, that our mm-hmm. sort of initial knee-jerk response to, to reach for a medication is a very easy uh, solution and, unfortunately, for, for many, many people, is not the right one. Uh, and, you know, we can't make these sort of, you know, babies without the bathwater because there are children and adults, by the way, who benefit tremendously from medication. And the question is, can we do a better job of understanding who those people are? And, you know, can testing, whether it's DNA testing or other testing, help to refine those treatment choices? And I I would say, first of all, even before medication, uh, one of the best recommendations people can think about when they're choosing whether a medication should be used or not used uh, for a person diagnosed with ADD is are those problems so significant that they're impairing the normal functionality of a person's life? I mean, if the, if the problems are so severe that it's impacting their social, their economic, or their emotional development, then I think the decision to treat becomes much more compelling than if they're just sort of, you know, having difficulties, but they can be overcome without reaching for that medication or the strategy. Right. We, we're not at the point where we can use diagnostic testing to make a diagnosis uh, of a, a condition like ADHD. The best that we can do right now is really uh, um, tell people that they may be at a higher rate of developing side effects from medication, uh, which, again, are very problematic. So uh, we, we don't have sort of the ability to say, okay, you, this test will tell you you have ADHD or don't have ADHD. Right. Um, I, I know people, people it, would wish that it could, but... Yeah, no, I don't, you know, I don't think we're... Yeah. <laughs> if you're not there, right. Well, I mean, even just, I think for people, there are so many people who have comorbid disorders where right. a doctor will say you have to treat your worst symptom first. Um, right. And treating, because as you had said earlier, treating your ADHD could really affect your anxiety or could bring on tics or other things that could really now be 
now you're at risk for other things. So a, a test like this would really, would it give you the, the, like, the worst symptom first so that, like, a doctor would be able to see that, or it just, it's giving you sort of, is laying out all the information for you? Well, what, you know, so first of all, understanding what medications in general do for ADD. So what, what they primarily are doing is increasing a chemical in the brain called dopamine. And dopamine is, is, we'll call it the attentional neurotransmitter. So there are theories that ADHD is due to some miswiring in the brain synaptically that, that leads to a lower qualitative state of dopamine, and the medications that are prescribed enhance dopamine. And as you mentioned, uh, this can sometimes be problematic because you could throw kerosene in the fire instead of water. So a higher, you know, uh, induction of dopamine through a prescription can very often lead to reduced appetite. Uh, it, can re- it can lead to uh, elevations in blood pressure and heart rate. It can uh, lead to depression, irritability. Um, and again, not in everybody. I mean, certainly these medications, I, I prescribe them in my practice. And, you know, when they work, they were remarkably effective uh, for potential people. But the concern is, is that uh, we're using a very crude tool to decide uh, we, we call ADHD one thing, which it's not. There are mm-hmm. multiple uh, sort of dimensions of what we mean when we say a person has attentional problems. And as you correctly said, that anxiety, depression, uh, there are many different uh, both behavioral and medical conditions that can lead to symptoms of what we call ADHD. So my, my hope is that you know, biological testing, DNA and other tests down, down the road, will point to more specificity in understanding what is the biology of the condition, what are some of the underlying medical conditions that can look like ADD, and when you address those, actually a person could get better without medication. And one of, one of the best examples is a very low-tech test, which is looking at iron levels. There's been some very strong data that iron deficiency um, can lead to symptoms of in- inattention, uh, and it can be very overlooked and underdiagnosed in children especially. And it's a very simple uh, test and a simple intervention uh, that for a certain percentage of people may be very helpful. Wow, that's so, you know, that It's like you don't yeah. think about those things. I think people often are looking for that quick fix. And looking for the quick fix, yep. Yeah, they want that magic wand to say, make me better or make my child better, and what do you, what do you have, and it's going to be done yesterday, you know? And not just that, let's, let's talk about the economic incentives. I mean, drug companies have spent a lot of money on increasing awareness of ADD mm-hmm. uh, because they want to sell more of their medication, and so people are associating automatically, oh, my child or, or I have ADD, um, let me take this medication to address it. So the quick fix is economical as much as it is social, um, and that is part of, you know, what we're not discussing, uh, our, our sort of how to, how to take a much more sophisticated and, and, and more deliberate approach to these kinds of problems as opposed to that quick fix. So tell me, who are good candidates for a test like GenoMind? <laughs> who, who would you recommend this test to? Well, first of all, I would say, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So people who are doing well with whatever they're doing or they don't have a problem, don't rush out and and get a test. The technology is not meant 
uh, you know, that's to, a really good point because there are some people who are just curious about science and their like their chemical makeup and they're saying, okay, well, I'm just curious, but like I like what you said. No, I think I, I, that makes I, a lot of I, sense. Yes, of course, and I, I and I would say that obviously if a person is on a medication, especially, and they're not doing well, and they tried you know this medication and that medication, and they switched, and the doctor goes and says, no, you didn't try this, or you know next try that, and they're in the sort of this you know this hellhole of of medication trial and error. That are those are the key people that we really encourage to speak to their doctors, even if their doctors have not heard about this test, to inform them that the technology is available to help sort of refine their decision-making. And, 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 and that really, makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, both for the doctor and for the patient, sort of saying, right. like, let's go back to the drawing board and see what we're right. missing here. But yep. what about the people who are skeptical to be on medicine in the first place? Do you think that they're, they're people if, that would if, appreciate a test like this? Uh, I think yes. Um, I think if people are skeptical about taking medication, then that's, that is to me, a valuable clue anyway, uh, because, you know, very often uh, people need to understand that there are uh, solutions that are non-pharmaceutical and that really the state of the technology today uh, mostly is about what people should avoid as far as medication goes. The test uh, doesn't uh, shed as much light on what people should specifically do it's more of what they should specifically not do. So if a person, let's mm-hmm. say, has, you know, an elderly patient who's anxious and, and maybe depressed, you know, one of the benefits of, of a test like this would be, okay, well, this person is at much higher risk of experiencing, you know, severe side effects from medication. Maybe that's not the best route to take. Or, you know, maybe a medication doesn't have the risk of those side effects would be a safer option. People are concerned about side effects in general. Um, and as time gets, goes on, we will get better to understand not only what people should avoid because of side effects, but understanding more about what they can do, uh, whether it's pharmaceutical or non-pharmaceutical. A big sort of, um, you know, interest and passion of my own is for us to discover what are the non-pharmaceutical uh, interventions that people can think about uh, in psychiatry. Uh, and the good news is that there is many... Uh, emerging uh, uh, data from very valid scientific sources that there are a, a great deal of non-pharmaceutical uh, interventions that people can consider. Uh, and for, for instance, conditions. just for example, like what? Well, I, I mean, a lot of examples. The one that we gave specifically earlier today is the relationship of, of B vitamins, particularly folic acid, uh, in a you know a subset of patients with depression uh, who genetically are not able to metabolize folic acid in their body properly because of genetics. So our mm-hmm. test can actually inform people that they have this impairment, which is quite common, by the way, mm-hmm. um, and that if you uh, have difficulty uh, converting folic acid to the active component, uh, your risk of developing a depression or other psychiatric problems uh, is substantially higher. And that's helpful because now we could be in thinking about what types of uh, interventions like uh, methylfolic acid, uh, which are non-pharmaceutical, right, but they have uh, benefit and there's been data showing that they have antidepressant effects in people who have these particular gene variants. That's very exciting to me because it opens up the whole another world of understanding our biology, our biochemistry, 
and how non-pharmaceuticals can help address these problems uh, independent or as an augmentation strategy uh, in combination with medications in, 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 in certain cases as well. Now, for those non-pharmaceutical um, options, does it take longer than a medicine would for those to work? Not necessarily, no. Well, it can work okay. just as quickly as medication can. And um, again, we need to have better specificity, and the genetic tests uh, are going to give us that specificity because these are being used like medication. So we give someone methylfolate or another compound that's been looked at is something called n acetylcysteine, which is an antioxidant that affects the brain, uh, when we know more about people who are more prone to um, benefit from those types of interventions, we'll, be, we'll see even you know, better results using those kinds of compounds for uh, patients with mental health conditions. That's fantastic. So there's, there's a lot of, there's always doctors that are listening, but there's a lot of parents that are listening. So I think that a question that they really have is, is this covered by insurance? For the most part, it is. Um, and that's something, obviously, a person has to you know, speak directly to their uh, provider on a, on a one-on-one basis um, and maybe uh, politely inform the provider that these tests are, are available. Um, it, this is you know, something that is being used clinically right now, and some of the major... You know, but you do need a prescription for it. It's not like you could say, let me go online and I'll get my own test kind of a thing. You, you need your health care provider to actually order the test, correct? Okay. And as far as, I mean, this is something that you and I have talked about, but as far as uh, how long does the test take to get back? Uh, it take as short as three days. Okay. So you get back your test days. in three days, and... Um, uh, the, the patient or the parent is going to need help reading this test, and that's really, it's not going directly to you. It would be going to your doctor. So do you right. find that most doctors would be able to understand the findings and results of this test and be able to, you know, work with it? Or do you think that they need, is it something that Genomind is able to consult with um, for parents or for doctors who are not really sure um, what their what the findings are, absolutely. We, I mean, the answer is yes to both of your questions. Um, the first is that there are different degrees of of, of uh, awareness uh, and knowledge about the use of DNA testing in in mental health settings. Uh, it's an emerging field that is still very young, and we recognize that, and we are very much you know hands on. Uh, one-on-one, uh, each person matters to us, uh, and as much as we are able to, we will, you know, speak to the clinician or the doctor and, and help explain the results as much as possible. Uh, we offer educational seminars. Um, we're all in this together. We all want to actually learn and help each other. So uh, we, we understand that they're the biggest rate-limiting factor sometimes in using a technology like this is a lack of understanding and, and sort of a mis- uh, apprehensions about what the test can mean or what it doesn't mean. and uh, Increasing education and awareness is, is a big part of our credo. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, I know that I've recommended it to a few of the doctors that I collaborate with, and they were that they were able to, if they had questions, and there were questions, they were able to speak to someone um, and say, you know, I'm just a little confused about this or suggestions that they would make and 
the people that I've recommended it to so far just were really very positive in saying that this was something that they found very, very helpful. So I, I know that I'm hoping that it really becomes just the future. Like I really believe that this is the future of medicine. Um, in how many states is it in right now? Uh, it's in every state and across the country and in Europe and, you know, it's uh, wherever, you know, wherever people are listening, they can probably find a provider or go to our website um, and get more information. It's Genomind. Um, it's G-E-N-O-M-I-N-D, Genomind. And uh, uh, any inquiries people have, whether it's through their doctors or themselves personally, uh, we really, you know, promise to get back to people as fast as possible. Thank you so much. I really, I am sorry to have to wrap things up for today because I think there's just so much more that we can cover, but it's really just, it's truly fascinating what Genomind is doing, and you and I have spoke at length, and I know that we'll have many more conversations because I, I find this just the future, and I, I'm really interested in it professionally, personally. Um, I think that this this is definitely raising a lot of eyebrows today. Um, and I think anyone who's on psychiatric medicine currently that's not working or is thinking about going on medication for the first time should definitely listen to this, share this with somebody that is thinking about medicine um, or is currently on medication and it's just it's not doing what it should. I encourage people to ask your psychiatrist, your psychologist, neurologist, pediatrician about this kind of testing and I really believe that, I know that parents sometimes think, you know, if it's not being told to them, then it's not necessary, but we are our own best advocates, and that means that we have to listen to interviews like this and be able to send it to your doctor if they're curious. I'm sure they would be fascinated to hear what's going on. Um, you know, maybe they've been busy or maybe they just don't know about the latest, the latest test, and I think that these kinds of things are things that people need to always look out for. Um, so thank you so much, Dr. Lombard, for being on the Ask Stephanie show. I really look forward to hearing a lot more about this kind of testing um, in the future. So um, thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, you can tweet me at Ask Stephanie, A-S-K-S-T-E-F-A-N-I-E, or write to me on Facebook and check out uh, the Coffee Clatch, www.thecoffeeclatch.com com to share this interview with family and friends or ask Stephanie www.askstefanie.com and please look out for our next show with the founder of the Coffee Clatch Marianne Russo how to pick the best mental health professional Marianne and I are doing that one together so we're really excited about that thanks again Dr. Lombard and we'll talk soon thank you Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.